Hello and welcome to our post-group stage look at Euro 2020 that's not in 2020, it's actually in 2021. Um, obviously, with the previous, we only looked at two sides. We're only really interested in two sides again, um, which is, of course, uh, North Macedonia um, and Croatia. I think probably the first one to talk about will begin with uh, the Macedonians. Um, they bowed out at the group stage. Um, expected, uh, you know. I don't think anyone um, really had too many illusions that they were going to reach the last sixteen or uh, beyond. Um, they did, uh, unfortunately, lose all three games. So just to go through the results in case you you missed those, um, it was a three-one uh, defeat on the opening day to. Austria, a 2-1 loss to Ukraine, and then 3-0 against a not that weakened um, Dutch side, and they didn't really uh, do too much rotation. So, certainly not uh, beaten out of sight by any means, um, but uh, reasonably convincing defeats in all three. I mean, I'll, I'll be entirely honest. Of the three games, the opener against Austria was the one I watched all of. The other two I only caught sort of bits of, um, primarily due to them being timed um, at times when it's a bit more difficult for me to actually watch the games. Um, in terms of my home situation, games that start at five, um, when there's children about, not really allowed to watch those. <laughs> um, I'll get told to turn them off and put Pokemon on. Um but in all three games, I think they followed a reasonably um, similar pattern. Certainly it, you know, in the first game, they were very, very competitive for the first hour. Then they started to tire. They started to come forward looking for a second goal in that first game against Austria. And they got hit twice on the break um, by Gregoric and uh, Anatovic. Now... Obviously, in the other two games, they followed a slightly different pattern uh, in so much as um, the goals conceded were earlier. But uh, against Ukraine, that was uh, very much the case that they put in a very poor first half performance. The second half came back and performed really well uh, to bring back to 2-1. And against the Dutch, I, I think the Dutch are a very good attacking side this time. Uh, Macedonia were not beaten out of sight, um, but 3-0 was probably representative of, well, of of what you'd expect the gulf between the two sides to be. Um, you know, Ultimately, the sort of energy that got in their win against Germany isn't something you can necessarily bring three times in a row um, in tournament football, particularly if it's the case that it's, you know, at, at that point, essentially completely dead rubber. However, um, you know, certainly they were not the worst side at the Euros. Um, when I w- was looking for power rankings before uh, recording this, um, the only people I've actually seen do a proper one is The Guardian. They had them 22nd out of 24 with Russia and Turkey behind them. I think that's probably about right. Um, yeah, I think there are sides who've departed the championships who did provide more 
uh, than Macedonia did. But I certainly don't think, you know, you compare them to the mightily disappointing Turkish side this time and um, a Russian side that, you know, really um, probably didn't benefit from the uh, extra year between tournaments uh, at all because just the age of certain elements of the side. Um, you know, Macedonia were definitely more competitive than both of those sides in, in all their games, and they came closer to executing their game plans. Uh, I think that was a big theme um, of the first round of games in particular, uh, is that teams, that, well, no teams really were able to execute their game plans as they wanted. I think we didn't see anyone do well in defeat in that first round. Things started to get a bit better as tournaments gone on. Things have started to click a bit more. Um, but I still don't think there's uh, would be too much argument if I said you know we've not really seen a side that's had great fluency um, in all three games aside from maybe Italy and even Italy I would caveat um, with the fact that you know in Turkey Wales and Switzerland I don't necessarily think they've beaten much. In terms of performance, you know, obviously we're going to talk about Pandev, um, <laughs> you know, scoring. A, the, the first goal is, you know, a, a massive moment. That's all really the country needed um, was to have that moment, uh, you know, where, where they excel. I think, you know, what they brought to that first game in Bucharest was, you know, a really great atmosphere as well. Um, you know, they were there. Arguably, they were only there to be along for the ride, but um, what a ride it was. Um Elmas, I think, didn't have perhaps the, the tournaments we expected of him. I think people expected him to have a bit of a breakout tournament. If Mastoni were to do well, he would have to um, be the star performer. I, I, I don't think he uh, hit that level. Um, I don't think he dragged the team up with him. I don't think he was as progressive as he, as he could have been. But, um, you know, I think that's one small disappointment in a tournament which in general has provided much in the way of positives for them. Having mentioned sides that didn't necessarily execute game plans very well, Croatia. <laughs> uh, that's about as smooth as a link as you'll ever get on here, I have to be quite honest. Um, it's been a bit of an interesting tournament for Croatia so far. Um, if we just go through each of the three games in turn, um, you know, against England, um, I think the game was very much affected by the heat. Uh, things were done, you know, even from England, at a walking pace. And we never really saw Croatia kick into gear. Modric was playing a bit too deep, um, which, given what we'll get onto in the last game, is just a, a bit of a contradiction, given who he was in the midfield with. And there wasn't any real activity up the flanks. Um, you know, whether that was on... Uh, Bonavarsic's injury, or whether that's just you know how Vardil wants to play, or whether that was just um, you know the game plan to try and stop Phil Foden. Um, I'm not sure, but uh, whatever it was, didn't really offer anything from an attacking perspective. And um, England were the only team in that game who really put together anything with any pace or or intent. Um, when you came out of that game, yeah, I think much of the focus was that the game plan was to try and stop Sterling and Foden getting into the middle. Well, the goal that uh, Croatia conceded was them both getting into the middle. So I suppose it probably shows that 
um, they have the right tactics, but um, not the right execution on this occasion. But, um, you know, even if they come out of that as a nil-nil draw, uh, I think people would have been looking at me like, oh, okay, that was actually a pretty, pretty pitiful performance. Um, but because it was against England, I think people excused it. When they played the Czechs, um, they then put out pretty much the same performance. Um, you know, Ivan Perisic's goal was pretty much the only move of real pace and intent in the entire game. Um, the last 20 or so minutes were just almost like a friendly. Um, Croatia had settled for the draw. And uh, to try and risk it all against Scotland. And quite rightly, after the game, there was a lot of criticism um, of the Croatian team. Again, you know, two, 180 minutes in, only scored one goal and um, not really created an awful lot on that and not really looked like they wanted to create uh, an awful lot. Then you have the Scotland game. Now, as you all know, listener, I'm Scottish. <laughs> so, um, yes, I wasn't too happy about the outcome of this particular game. Um, prior to the game, I did expect Scotland to get something. Um, and if it was to get something, it was to get a win. Um, purely because of how little Croatia had showed. I think to that point, if you were having your power rankings of those first two game rounds, Croatia would probably have been under North Macedonia. Um, and uh, I... You know, that it was entirely just the lack of attacking intent they showed. Against Scotland, there were changes made. Vlasic came in to start. Now, he had um, Schrodinger's knee injury, let's just say. Um, uh, Josip Kudinovic started at right back rather than Shimei Fischalko. And I think both of those moves worked very well. I certainly don't think we'll see Schalke again this tournament, um, given how Janovic performed. Modric played much further forward um, and linked much better with both of those two players than he had with, uh, be it Kramaric or Rebic, over the previous two games. Um, I compared it after the game to Italy at halftime, so like uh, fighting a fire. You know, Croatia had much of the control of the first half. Um, but Scotland kept on uh, making little forays and uh, leaving Croatia having to sort of fight elements of the game, try and keep it under control. Um, and it was definitely you know, a very open game at that point. Come the second half, Croatia took complete control and completely nullified Scotland. And um, Scotland's issue was uh, not getting out, not pressing enough. Um, I think if we take the outstanding goal of the game, uh, Luka Modric's, you know, you look at Stephen O'Donnell not getting out um, to stop a cross. You're looking at uh, not being touched tight enough on Bekovic to allow him to lay off, not being quick enough out to uh, Kovacic to stop him laying off, and then giving Luka Modric five yards of space. And, uh, I mean, the the goal was exquisite. Um you know, obviously the goal of the tournament will be Patrick Schick's, um, but if we're doing a second, that's certainly the second best goal uh, we've seen so far this tournament. It was um, almost like Ronaldinho Topoke-esque um, against Chelsea uh, in terms of just the precision and accuracy of the outside of the right foot finish. It's um, ridiculous. Um, it's probably ominous for every other team in the tournament if Modric has suddenly just decided to turn it on. Uh, and if he does turn it on um, for the next two weeks or so, then certainly Croatia have a chance of going further. 
In the next round, however, they face Spain. And, well, Spain have had a funny tournament so far. Um, absolutely demolishing uh, Slovakia in the final game. Once they got their heads noses in front, they just put the afterburners on and went far, far away. When it comes to um, the other two games, however, you know, they were frustrated at times. And when they were frustrated, they really didn't do, they, they didn't cope with it. So the key for Croatia is going to be keeping them behind. So not keeping them behind, keeping it level, keeping it tight for 60 minutes. Um, almost like a, a re, bit of a rerun of the England game, really. Um you know, England didn't score until the 57th minute. If you're getting that deep into the game and uh, Spain is still nil-nil or 1-1, they start to get a little bit more urgent. They start trying to force things. You start getting those mistakes. And that's the point at which Croatia could potentially capitalise because at the end of the day, as shown against Scotland, there is no finer midfield trio uh, in the tournament than Brozovic, Kovacic and Modric. Um, you know, Brozovic was extremely poor against England, uh, but against Scotland, he did the job very well uh, and it allowed Modric to get forward and it made Croatia that much more dangerous. A repeat of that, uh, and you know, there's no reason why Croatia can't win. Um, in terms of the Spain game, the only real change that's going to be forced is that Dejan Lovren um, is out from suspension. Um, it's unknown exactly which way uh, Dalic is going to go on that one, whether it's going to be Duya Kalatakar uh, coming in or whether it's going to be Josko Vardio moved in with Borna Barisic coming back on the left-hand side. We don't know. Um, that's 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 a big decision. But otherwise, you're pretty much going to see a repeat of everything from the Scotland game, um, particularly because, you know, while there was only four days between um, the Czech and Scotland game, you know, there's six days between uh, the Spanish game, sorry, between the Scotland game and the Spain game uh, in Copenhagen. And they're going to be able to get a little bit more of a smoother, smoother preparation than they would for the Scotland game because of COVID regulations and stuff like that. Um, I will say I don't expect Croatia to get through. Um, I think it probably will be Michael Douch's last tournament. And, you know, there is a rebuild job needed after... Um, after whenever this tournament ends. And I don't necessarily think it's a role he has great desire to take on board um, because it's a very easy way to quickly destroy your reputation. Um, I think Spain have shown enough over Nations League uh, matches of the past few years to, to, to show that they will beat Croatia. Um, I don't think Croatia have shown enough yet this tournament to suggest that they're really going to take out a a top side, which which is what Spain are, ultimately, um, it will be difficult. If I say if they can keep it tight, then they will uh, be able to get something. But I mean that's going to be a very difficult task against a very good Spanish side. Now, should Croatia then get through, they play the winners of France or Switzerland. So maybe, just maybe. Um, the footballing gods have fated Croatia to get through and have a repeat of the uh, 2018 World Cup final in the quarterfinals, uh, a chance for redemption um, 
much as it may have seen that uh, Croatia England in the opening game was fated at Wembley, uh, Croatia France in the quarters may seem like a, a an incredible uh, bit of fate to to jump off with uh, players and re- re- leaving the national squad and things like that. I don't know. Um, I do like a good narrative, as, you, as you've possibly known, um, but we shall see. Um, you know, I in our preview podcast, I think I did predict um, Croatia for the quarterfinals. Um, that was based on a path where the second team in the other group would have been Sweden or Poland. Um, it's not Sweden or Poland, it's Spain. Um, and that's a much more difficult task, I think. And if they drop out of the round of 16, losing to Spain, they can leave with their heads held high. No one's really going to look and say, oh, you know, there's a team you should have beaten. Uh, then They're not because it's Spain. So that's where we are at the moment. We'll obviously um, be doing a few podcasts over the uh, coming weeks. Um, at the moment, unfortunately, uh, things are just ridiculously busy um, on my end of the microphone, uh, which is just precluding me from writing stuff and getting timeline episodes out there. So it is just going to be ad hoc stuff for the time being um, until I get the chance to properly just have uh, to have time to, to write basically. Um, after the Scotland game, uh, which probably interests a lot of people listen to this, um, you, I may have noted I wrote a piece uh, on the Croatian development system. Um, it's on my the webs, my website, um, well, my Tumblr blog, um, The Football Life. Um, so please do check that out. You can find links on Twitter and stuff. Um, it is 4,000 words long. Um, because Jim Spence asked a question and I wanted to answer it properly. Um, <laughs> um, and that's the sort of insane thing I do sometimes. Um, so I say next podcast will probably be a quick wrap up um, at some point next week of um, the Euros from the Croatian perspective. Um, it may be as short as Spain won, lol, bye. Um, it may well be that. Um, <laughs> well, depending on how that game goes. Um, otherwise, then it will be looking, of course, at um, season previews for the region, uh, which will, I'm sure, be starting with Slovenia, which I think starts about a week before everyone else. Um, I've not really checked. I'm not yet in 2021 um, 22 mode yet. Um, the only games we've had properly are, of course, the um, Champions League preliminary round qualifiers, which uh, Pristina uh, won their game against Fogol. Uh, and they're in the final tonight, actually, uh, against uh, Interclub Descalade of Andorra for the right to face Ferenc Varos in the first actual round, first qualifying round of the Champions League. Um, so, yes, there's that to definitely look forward to. Um, and, yeah, there will be loads coming next month, of course, um, with the recommencement of football across the continent. I'm just checking dates now because I was wrong about when the Slovenian League starts. Um, actually, Serbia and um, Croatia are first, uh, starting on the same date. Plenty to talk about in the Serbian preview, plenty to talk about in the Croatian preview. And I think the only reason uh, Slovenia has, isn't there because it hasn't actually scheduled things yet. So, um, yeah, through plenty of that. Basically, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be really busy recording stuff. There'll be loads coming out, um, and I very much hope you'll enjoy it. Um, until that particular deluge of content, thank you very much for listening, as always, and I will catch you next time. <laughs>